Welcome to the Resilient Campus Podcast, amplifying the voices of college inclusion innovators. I'm your host, Sabby Labor, founder and CEO of Resilient Campus. Join me each week as I interview professionals on the front lines of campus and community movement building. For more information, please visit resilientcampus.com forward slash podcast. Welcome back to the second installment of episode 31, a three-part discussion series recorded at the Transforming Higher Education Collaborative, which took place in Tucson, Arizona in July 2019. I joked that the first uh, part of the installment was my better late than never attempt to get this very important dialogue out to the world. And so thanks for your patience with me while I, um, you know, make time and energy and capacity in my life to do so. And I appreciate your patience and flexibility with um, the release of podcast episodes in recent months. And I'm so happy to be back and uh, to be a part of the conversation with you and to be in community with you. So thank you for tuning in and for joining our community. In this first installment of the episode, and no worries if you hadn't had a chance to listen to it yet, you will be able to pick up where we leave off in this second installment. Um, but just to give a quick recap of what took place in the first episode, we discussed the following question. What does it mean for us to convene across and within institutional hierarchies and geographies? So we had a really, really um, fantastic conversation. It took us on so many different paths of um, epiphanies and connections, and I'm looking forward to you being able to listen to that. Um, or being able to pick up from that conversation if you've had a chance to tune into that first part of episode 31. In this part of the episode, we center the following question that guides our discussion. What does it mean for you and us to build something that has never been built before? You'll hear familiar voices of some past podcast guests, such as D.L. Stewart, T.J. Jurian, and Z. Nicolazzo, and you'll be able to meet some new brilliant humans as well that I just felt so grateful and continue to feel grateful to be in community with. Um, they're such humble and brilliant um, and just, I think, game-changing individuals in terms of what they represent, um, how they live into the authentic uh, nature of themselves each day, um, and uh, just really appreciative to have been a part of this this convening. So for more details about our guests, if you want to read through their bios, check out their headshots, um, you know, put a face to the human voice that you're hearing on this conversation, feel free to visit the episode's webpage at resilientcampus.com forward slash 31.2. Resilientcampus.com forward slash 31.2. As for now, I'll get out of your way and let you enjoy the episode. us as a collective to build something that has never been built before. So this is Alex. So in, um, as we've been talking about Brown's book, and I'm going to look directly at the quote on the wall, so this is not from memory or impressive, but it is uh, in the book, Brown says, it is our right and responsibility to create a new world on page 19. And I think about how, for me personally, and for us as a collective, um, I appreciate both the right and responsibility piece, because it's, it's proclaiming that we're trying to stake out space for this, um, but there is a responsibility, um, as Z would say, um, uh, to the up and coming legendary scholars and children to create possibility um, that's expansive, right? We're, we're, I think 
what we're trying to do here is create a possibility, not the possibility, um, even though the acronym is sometimes the. <laughs> but um, to think about um, being what I think Laverne Cox refers to as possibility models um, for not only ourselves, but for future generations and iterations of collectives like this. This is, this is sad. I think it's almost like inherent in us coming together, but like the thing we would do is envision something that hasn't been done before. Um, I think to I think your point, Sammy and TJ, right? Like being trans is that that thing that we kind of we come together and we're just, oh actually it might have been the too. It was like being trans, we are expected to be ahead of gender conversations or bringing along gender trans like conversations and transitions. And I think in some ways there's this piece around when we get together, I would say this particular group, when we get together, we start dreaming about what could be different or what's not working and how might we fix it or just, and not ever as like solutions, but as possibilities. And I think that in some way it's the beautiful thing about transness is that we don't have to subscribe to any binary if we don't want to. Some of us do, some of us don't. And we can talk about the problems of that, but inherently we get to be in a, be here and move something that never gets done. And that happens, I would say, always in these, like oftentimes in these spaces, is that we're here together and inevitably that possibility and dreaming comes up naturally. Because I think there's this potential, and I'm sure in your book, S, when we talk about trans consciousness, there's this potential around gender that I think as trans people, we get to have that other people don't have to think, okay, so what if we're moving not from one to the other, but across many expansive both and always and never at the same time. And how that, like, like there's this thing that I feel compelled to do when I'm in this space is to dream of a potential that hasn't been written and to build a city that I would like to live in and what it could be and have others and invite others and co-construct that city in a way that I don't think I get to do with the hierarchy of X, Y, or Z coming through. Yeah, this is S. I think for me, in addition to the dreaming, I feel like we're living it, right? So I think often at home, I'm like reading, people theorizing about what could be. I've been theorizing and thinking about a world that I want to see that, right, but being here, it's like we're actually like living that. So to DL's point around the bathroom today, yesterday when we were swimming, like I've been on many vacations in the last year to places where I was swimming and I did, like, I would think about, okay, I'm taking my shirt off, like, folks are gonna see my scars. I've had people ask me, like, what's up with your chest, right? Like, I did, I knew that that wouldn't be a thing here. I stayed in the pool till I got wrinkled. I usually, like, I'll dip in for a little while, then I'll get out, because I'm like, folks are, are looking or, or whatever. And I, I just feel like, yeah, we're dreaming and we're living it. And it feels, it feels like because we're living it, we can create it. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like, I can grab it. Like, I'm like, yes, this is what it is. This is what it feels like. This is what it tastes like. That breakfast was delicious this morning. Uh, this is what it sounds like, right? Um, in a way that just reading about it, I'm like, mm. I'm like, what is that? It's embodied. Yeah. This is TJ. And, and like, I, I feel like that's so important to be able to do so that we actually have something to work towards instead of constantly against. Because that's what we're doing on our campuses, right? We're constantly working against something, but we're not necessarily um, always working towards something. And this gives us something real um, to work towards. And it's and you know we use words like dream and envisioning, and sometimes that can feel like touchy feely and uh, out there. But like you said, it's it's not like this. This can be real. It's been real for us for however many uh, hours, days uh, we're together. 
And I think the real challenge then becomes how do we take it out of this space, right? How do we not revert back to uh, superimposed hierarchies, for example, like once we are not together physically? And how do we sort of like take this bubble with us so that when we are in conversation beyond, uh, beyond this space, we just don't let other things seep in and get in the way of us continuing to move towards the things that we are trying to build. DL, I think to your point, TJ, and, and building off of what S was saying about what I called embodiment is the necessity, you know, a lot of times the dream and visioning often sounds very headspace, right? That that's something you do with your brain or with, you know, with something that seems up here, right? Or that we, you can, we can perhaps connect dreaming and visioning to heart, right? And feeling something. But I think we also have to dream with our bodies, right? Um, so how do we feel that in our limbs, in how we move in a space, and how, in what ways do we, you know, small is all, the smallness of moving in our bodies in a way, in dream right? Sleepwalking, mm. right? How do we sleepwalk the dream out um, as we go into our back into our respective um, bases, right? Local bases. Um, and that that creates and pushes what I had written down before you started talking or stated as you posed that question was how we, by doing this, building something that's never been built, we are compelling others to confront the reality that we've been lied to that this is it, compelling others and ourselves to reject the exceptionalism of the existing structures that, you know, they're flawed, but you know, this this is really the best, this is it, this is the best thing. I mean, it needs to be reformed, it needs to be tweaked, we can do this better, we can do this better, instead of, and we're like, nah, we just could not do this, period. Maybe this is not the thing to do, <laughs> right? But also sort of, and I think this is what's really interesting, and, and there's, I'm not going to try to find it now in the book, but there's a place where Brown talks about messiness um, and how creating new possibilities is messy, right? And which made me think about, you're so messy. That was so messy, right? And we use that as a jab, right? I mean, I even just said this to someone um, a couple days ago, you know, calling them on the carpet on something they'd done. It was like, that was really messy, right? But creating new possibilities is messy. That was really messy, right? And and it can be that messiness when we reclaim that word, as it were, as a um, a signifier that we are moving in the right direction. You know, that was really messy. It wasn't perfect. It didn't come out. It probably didn't. You maybe didn't have the effect you meant for it to have. It didn't work out the way you hoped it would. That was really messy. But that is the potential. There's the potential in the messiness. You know, and, and you know, sleepwalk, you don't necessarily know where you kind of know maybe where you're going, but some of you trip over stuff, knock stuff over, because you're not really, you're, you're not awake, right? You know, how can we walk the dream and refuse in some ways to be woken up, which, you know, flips the whole woke thing on its head and whatnot, but yeah. Z and you're kind of giving voice to, to some of the things that I'm thinking, but can't really, couldn't really find the words for. Now, I'm, and I'm also thinking about like lucid dreaming and how do we hold okay. on to dreamscapes okay. yes, as a possibility. Yes. Yes. But also thinking about the fact that this for me feels like freedom and freedom is really confusing. You know, to, to come to this space and a very confusing space to come to, you know, like Arizona, the desert, 
and to come to the space and to cultivate this sort of freedom, I, th I think is, is really confusing and to do it as a group of folks that are continually choosing to engage in education and a schooling process, which teaches us not to imagine. You know, I was a really imaginative child until I started going to school. And then I was schooled out of that. And so I think some of this is just about trying to deal with the confusing and the messy realities of what it means to reclaim something that I've been schooled away from and continue to be schooled away from imagining, which is freedom, collective liberation. Um, so yeah, like, like how do we hold on to and harness these dreamscapes? Sitting with something, this is I. I've been sitting with something that you said, Zabby, about having your armor and being able to take your armor down. And like, like in my head, every morning I've been getting up for the last couple of days. I'm like, just like stay soft has been the thing that I've been saying to myself every morning. I think partially because, right, talk about being in the midst of a big transition. I left my job a week ago, uh, drove here, and then was immediately surrounded by these wonderful humans. So I'm literally trying to make sense of my world right now. And the only thing that is keeping me sane and grounded in a way is being able to be as soft as I naturally am. Because I'm a big old softy. Um, and if I act like I'm not, it's because I'm actually terrified or I'm looking at you or I figured out what the thing is, right, in like that's gonna make you tick or like pique your interest. And it's usually, that's usually like sharp, it's hard, it's witty, it's charming, like whatever. It's there's this like, you, you know, like my conference self or like my work self. And because I'm in a place of reforming that for myself, it's messy, crying all over the place. Like I haven't made any jokes about, oh, well, my biceps look strong, it's because I'm full of feelings. And I know I used to say that a couple of times. And I'm like trying to actively not do that. But that's also because in this space, I feel like I'm gonna be messy. I feel like if I need to have a feeling, I can have a feeling. And I think that that is a potential and possibility that's not a dream for me and so for me I'm actively thinking about what does it mean to not maybe like not sleepwalk but actually like be present and here and moving and walking and so like how do I keep that softness outside of this space here because I don't want to have to walk around with armor anymore that let's be real doesn't work right like it doesn't feel good to wear that armor and we just kind of figure out like I think I've been in a practice of where the spaces where I could take it off and put it back on like what does it mean to actively look for spaces where I don't have to, like, how do I get in the process? Um, and Asian Mary Brown talks about what does it mean to not be so hard all the time? Like, feel your feelings, be soft. Um, what is it? Um, less on point, more present, right, is something that I've been sitting with, is how do I not have to be so on point all the time? Um, we joke about that thing, oh, that was on point. I'm like, no, I'm just here. Um, and have actively tried to lean into what does it mean to be here and what contributions can I make when I be here and I'm here and not trying to worry about being on point and making the citation or the you know tweet worthy statement but just being able to be here and i think that that thing of like what does it mean to be and exist in a space that doesn't have hasn't been done before is like i can make that part of my like requirements to be here you got a quote that's on the wall and i'm not fancy at all either about how we slip out of togetherness the way we slip out of the womb and it's messy and we're surprised to be alone and somehow this feels like messy and birth but like positive as opposed to aloneness and so i think it's like a reimagined like this is how you slip into togetherness it's a different birth it's the way she was talking about in the book being a doula and accompanying folks through a birth process rather than like the highly medicalized whatever version this feels like that like a we are each other's trans doulas is that it's still messy 
but it feels like birth instead of aloneness. Mm-hmm. And cre- yeah, like creation instead of scary. Transmidwifery. <laughs> I find it really telling that in this conversation, and as we're starting to kind of piece through this question, no one has said what it means to build something is that we're going to get to this result, <laughs> which is ultimately like that is something that I have been. I think that's one of the reasons why I really resisted Brown's book at the very beginning, because the first place that I go is like, so what is the thing? And not just the thing, but like, what's the thing that I can point to or that we can point to? Or, you know, like um, Melvin the other day used the word deliverable, which is like such a taught and trained word and is such a thing that I'm constantly asked for. What's your deliverable? What's the end goal? What's the result? What's the implication? And I think it's really, it's really kind of a nice shift for me to really focus on the fractal components, the small is all kind of thing, and not to think about what's the what's the ending of this? Um, what's the thing that I can point to and tell other people we did this over this weekend? Yeah, it's kind of nice. DL one last time um, on this. The, <laughs> There you go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, let's be honest. This is not going to be the last time I talk. <laughs> um, <laughs> I try not to talk as much. I really do. Um, when I would tell people what this was about that I was coming here to do, um, I would say somewhat flippantly, but also kind of seriously. Um, well, we're you know we're coming together to plan you know to take over the world, and. <laughs> Right. Something exactly <laughs> it may not be right, but I don't think it's wrong. And so, <laughs> I said yesterday. But it's it's the you know planning to take over the world rate that we change ourselves as we plan, and that is as much a part of the world takeover as trying to make anything happen in a specific way out in the world. And so I'm looking at. Um, a quote that was written up on one of our sheets from page 10 in the book, you know, scaling up with me going deeper, being more vulnerable and more empathetic, right? And it's really about going, she talks about, it's it's more self-work, right? It's more of the small scale communal work becomes even, even more important as we think about the broader picture. As you were talking, the uh, I started thinking about like, the Octavia, the quote from Earthsteed, which she references in the book, is yeah. that all you touch, the, all that yeah. you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. Uh-huh. And I think about how that's been something that we have been moving in and out of in conversation in various ways. It's right? like it's not a big change, but also how are you changed by the thing that you are leaning into and creating? And I think that's the beautiful thing about us coming together and being able to do that is that we keep touching it to figure out it being like this space, this time, this a messy space and it we leave changed and then we come back and do it again in some ways and in through various mediums whether it's digitally whether it's in person um whether it's like through scholarship that we keep co-writing and authoring together it's this like thing that we are constantly changing and also how like the beautiful thing is is that we get to do that and then whenever we go back to wherever it is that we are we can keep changing those things and like what does it mean to do that and also stay together at the same time Sabi, one of the things that I appreciated about Melvin's question about deliverables was it was a really important reminder for me that I made conscious decisions that I was able to make because Z found funding for travel 
that I, I don't have to prove to my institution that I'm going to bring something back to campus. And I feel great about that because I'm like, I'm here for me. And if there's something that I can take back to the institution directly in my role right now, awesome. If not, I'm okay with that. And to not have to work within these systems that are informed by capitalism about how we prove that it was worth the institution's money spent and what are you going to deliver as a result of it. And I feel so liberated from that whole process and the procedure side of it that I can just like be here and, you know, and at the same time have the privilege of like, I've accrued vacation, so I'm going to use that time. And I know that that's not, you know, when we're thinking about hierarchies and moving within and across them, that that's something that I have the privilege of having access to in my title, you know, having a doctorate, these, these kind of things have all helped me arrive to this place. And it, it's an important reminder of how we, we are socialized in these different roles and functions. And I think that building something that exists outside of that is so scary often for me and it's messy. And I think the scary part is that the scarcity mindset is always there, like that internalized scarcity and that internalized messaging around there's not enough resources for everyone to be well and to be thriving is like just kind of like at a low whisper always in the back of my mind. And so just really trying to like be like, be quiet, low voice. <laughs> that is not right. And just like working against that messaging, but then also not being for myself naive to the fact that it wasn't that long ago that I was a you know graduate student in my doctorate program being told like, yeah, you'll be in this meeting, but I just need you to be quiet and take notes and like know your place. And that's what you're going to contribute. And that's your worth and that's your value and just earn your paycheck and don't be too loud. Um, and just being told like you're, you fit in this little, tiny little box and that's what we're funding you barely any money to do. And so like knowing that these hierarchies and these systems exist and that they are still they're at a low whisper or a very loud shout um, for many of us um, at different times and in different ways. And so just being aware of that as I myself think about dismantling and building new, these ideas of how we contribute and how we equalize role. And we very much uh, have been socialized and, and continue to have to exist also in these blueprints of higher ed hierarchy and procedure and don't be too loud, be just, you know, just loud enough so that we can sort of tokenize you and get your contributions and then we burn you out and then we'll see, you know, you'll be in another institution in three years and that's just the way it works, right? So like, how do we both change within but not become that, like that institutional embodiment of like rigid hierarchy, um, rank, rankest like ideologies, valuing people by what they contribute and what they deliver, right? And just like, how do we imagine outside of that? And for me, that's something that I appreciate being in this group imagining. I feel like we've done a lot of ideating together, which for me feels really like soul fulfilling and soul feeding. So I'm like, wow, I really am noticing that I'm missing that. Like, how do we build context where we can just like imagine together and envision together things that haven't existed before? Thanks so much for tuning in. Head on over to iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss out on a single episode.